It's the story for nearly two million Americans. Mom or dad is away from home, serving our country in the U.S. military. Families of our servicemen and women experience some unique challenges, and those challenges can impact marriages, relationships, finances, all sorts of things. What's life like for those families, and how can we as a community support them? That's our Dad Talk today. Becoming better parents, partners, and people, this is the Positively Dad Podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm James Shaw, host of Positively Dad, and I'm excited that you're here. We're going to have an important conversation today about the life of military families, so I think you'll enjoy it. My wife, Terry, and I are the proud parents of an almost eight-year-old second grader named Naomi, and I started Positively Dad just about a year ago to be a resource to dads, just to help us become better. We do two episodes every week. On Mondays, we talk with an expert about something that helps us grow. And then on Thursdays, we do the Dad Talk series, which is what you're listening to right now. And the dad we're going to talk to today is a guy named Mark Solomon. Mark is a member of the U.S. Navy Reserves, and he's getting ready for a year away from his family in service to our country. This is, you know, he does the two weeks a, a, a year and one weekend a month. He does all of that. And then every once in a while, as he'll tell you, they say, hey, you got to step up and serve for a longer time. So he's going to be gone for a year from his wife and his two teenage boys and his adult stepdaughter. That means missing a year of high school, missing holidays, and all those moments with the family. So what does that look like? And, and how do you share with your kids that you're going to be gone? And how do you set up your family so that they're prepared? And, and then how can we as a community help these military families while mom or dad are gone? Mark's going to help us answer those questions, so let's get started. Mark, thanks so much for joining us on Positively Dad. Thanks, James. I appreciate your, uh, your invite. This is awesome. I'm excited. Well, I'm happy to talk with you and, uh, and get a perspective that is a really, really good one to think about. So let's first learn a little bit about you and your family. All right. Um, well, Mark Solomon. I live in Longmont, Colorado. Just moved from Kansas City, Go Chiefs, uh, just uh, about six months ago. I, uh, my family, Chastity, we've been married for 17 years. It'll be 18 at the end of this year, and we've got three kids. Uh, one is 24. She's moved out of the house, my stepdaughter. And then I've got two boys that are 13 and 14. Uh, Jack is my 14-year-old, and Nicholas is my 13-year-old. And so they've been adjusting now to a move to Colorado and all that yep. kind of stuff. And now yeah. they're preparing for another adjustment. And so yeah. you, you've, yeah. you're in the Navy Reserves. You served for us, and you got word that, that you get to head out again. Yes. So uh, every so often, um, the Navy looks at you and says, what have you done lately? I think most of the branches of the military do that. And so I've been uh, selected um, for what they call a mobilization. So as a reservist, uh, we serve at various reserve units. We do our one week in a month, two weeks a year. Mm -hmm. And then on occasion, we're asked to go uh, basically fill in an active duty spot somewhere. Uh, I did this back in 2007 and 2008. I was uh, gone for about a year and I was in Baghdad um, actually filling an army spot. The army was short of people at that point and needed some additional uh, reinforcements from the other branches of service. So I spent a year in Baghdad and then um, now my time has come again. Uh, to where, um, yeah, I've been tagged for this mobilization. So in the fall, I'll be leaving again for about a year. So I don't know if this was something you were expecting or when you got word of this, were you a little bit surprised? So they do a really good job, uh, truthfully, the reserves do, of uh, helping you figure out the timing that's best for you. 
So um, they don't want to pull people out of their civilian jobs. Because being a reservist is different than active duty. So on active duty, you have a lot of things to balance, as, as uh, the active duty folks do. As a reservist, not only do I have to balance my you know, family life and, and civilian career, then I also, on top of that, along with the military stuff. So there's lots of things to balance. And they don't, the, the military understands as reservists, we have a civilian career and they don't want to just all of a sudden pull us out and surprise us. So they, uh, they kind of, they have a list that they maintain. It's very public for, for us. So we know where we are on that list. So it's not really a surprise. Uh, and then we do have some choices in terms of, the opportunities that are available, we'll call them opportunities, uh, to go somewhere. Um, they have, uh, you know, needs as they come up at certain times of the year and they say, hey, you're getting short on this list. Are there some things that would make sense timing wise for you? So, so it's, it's definitely kinder, uh, and friendlier, uh, than it has been in the past. Um, again, unless something crazy happens, they, they typically try not to surprise us with this. So there has been some notice okay. that this was coming and, and it gave me a chance to, to talk to my wife about, when makes the most sense and, and all that. Right. And so the perspective that we get and, 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 and first and foremost, thank you for what you do and thank you for your service thank and, you. and all, and all that you're doing for us. And the, and, and, you know, you planned for this, you made, you know, an agreement and a decision to yeah. do this as part of who you are. Um, and the last time you were gone, your kids were little, so your kids didn't really sign up for it. You did, right? right? And your wife right. and you guys make a decision together. And so what I'm right. thinking about is is now what it's like to walk them through it at 13 and 14 years old, because at the time that you and I are talking today, you haven't talked with them about this yet, and um, right. and that's on the horizon for you. So talk with me a little bit about what that conversation is going to be like. So one of the things I will say that I'm super excited about is I've listened to the the podcast you've had, and I think you're coming up on a year here in about two months, right? So it I'm is, super yeah. excited about your your history and, and being able to to listen and the resources. Um, one of the things is it feels like a lot of your dads have their stuff together when they talk to you, um, and I, you know, and some of them will hint on the fact that that's not the case, and and, and I am certainly there, right? It feels like hey, everything's great and. The reality is I don't know that I have my stuff together, including something like this. So part of why I wanted to chat with you is just to, you know, to talk to you about this is that, you know, everybody understands, I think, that being a dad is hard, yet now I've got to somehow tell my teenage boys, I think in very formative years, that their dad's going to be gone for a year. Um, you know, and, and how does that work? And, and they're ones in high school, ones in middle school, and you know, what, what does that look like for them and, and the things I'm going to miss of them, you know, one plays tennis and the other one plays football and, you know, things like that. So I'm going to miss an entire season of those things. And so having those conversations, tr the truth is just flat out, I, I don't know. I don't know what that conversation is going to look like. Um, part of why we haven't talked to them yet is, you know, there's a, a thing in the military, you wait for your official orders. Once those come, that's when it's sort of official. You've been, you know, I've been tagged, I've been you know, set aside for this particular requirement. Now I just wait for the actual pieces of paper that say this is where you're going, this is when you're going. So once those come, then to me, and I think my wife as well, as we've been chatting, it becomes a very real thing. And we still have some time. It's just, honestly, with the move we've had and all that, it's, it's a struggle. And that's, again, why one of the things that is, is nice to be able to chat with you about this is that it's, it sometimes sounds easy. The realities of, of life are, are really hard, right? And this is one of those things where, how do you tell a 14 and a 13 year old boy that dad's going to be gone for a year? I'll be back. Don't worry about all the things I'm going to miss. I promise it'll be okay. Right. So and yeah. there's no choice there. I know 
some of your folks I know, um, you know, mentioned for work or that, you know, they used to travel a lot and, and they made the choices to stay home. And, and I did, I made the choice to, to join the military and they were very small at the time. Um, actually, yeah, no, I take it back that the boys weren't even, weren't even ideas at that point, I guess, when I first joined. Um, you know, and as things have come, you do, you have to adjust around what does that look like in their world. And so the, the answer to your question, short answer, I guess, although it's too late for that is, is I don't know. I don't know, James, what that, that conversation is going to look like or how, when to bring it up. When do I bring it up after school? Do I bring it up on a weekend? Do I take yeah. them to a movie or ice cream? You know, all that. So. Yeah, I mean, it's, and I can't imagine what it would be like. You know, I think the thing you brought up a really good point. We talked to a lot of dads, and uh, for 30 minutes, we can all look like we have it all figured out. And the truth is, we all have fears and we struggle, and we've got things we've got to figure out that we haven't mastered yet. And, you know, for you to have to sit down and have a conversation with your sons of, Dad's going to go do what I agreed to do before you were even a thought. And yet I, I've got to go do it. Uh, you know, I can't imagine what that's like for you. And yet there are uh, moms and dads all over this country who, I mean, this conversation is had in a household daily by moms and yes. dads all over this country. Absolutely. And that's, that is um, one of the things that I think people don't realize. You know, I, when we talk about the military, and I will tell you that I've been so blessed in my military career. People are super supportive of me and, and uh, helpful and reaching out to my wife when, you know, I have even my weekends away sometimes or my two weeks, things like that. Um, it's just, there's a reality to this that there are people that have been serving in combat zones, you know, since 2002 when we first went to Afghanistan and then 2003 in Iraq. And so, so many years later, 17 years later, uh, you know, we still are at war and there are people every day that do this and they're going constantly. I've got multiple friends in my reserve units uh, that I've been a part of that are deployed or back now and all that. And they've all had to have these conversations. And same with the active duty folks when they go. If you're on a ship, you know, you may go for months at a time. So these are these are they're hard conversations to have. And, and, and no matter when you have them, they're difficult. Right. Little kids, it's probably harder for them to understand. My My boys will certainly understand why. Um, it's just going to be hard for them to, to, you know, really appreciate that. And I don't think it'll hit until I actually go away. Um, one of the things that has been a theme in your, in your podcast with your guests that, um, I've been appreciative of is the fact that most dads really want to support their children in whatever it is they want to do in their lives. They are really looking to help build character. And I feel the same way um, with my kids is that I, I, they're going to be the people that they are going to turn out to be. The best I can do is help, you know, sort of them discover what the content of their character is and, and show them and lead them down the path of doing the things that make the most sense for them. And for me, serving in the military or service in general, I started a nonprofit where we're housing homeless veterans in tiny houses, and that's taken off and we're expanding around the, the country. Uh, my my full-time gig is selling real estate, and I will tell you that I tell people all the time, my kids will never remember how many houses we sold last year yeah, and how many right. families we got to help with that. What they will remember, though, is that we're helping house homeless veterans. We're solving the homeless veteran problem around the country, that dad was in the military and proud of his service. And it's those kinds of things that I hope that they latch on to, even in the midst of being hard when I'm missing football games and tennis matches and things like that. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's definitely lessons to be taught here. And, and I think a perspective that, look, uh, we're, most of us are just worried about, you know, 
can we make it to their recital in time because we've got a meeting or can we get to the game on Friday, you know, because we're going to come home late for work. You're going to miss everything for a year. And this is happening to, like I said, families all over the place. So what, tell us about what that culture is like, how, you know, how do you as military families support each other? What, what can the community do to help, you know, so that when, when you get picked and, and you have to, you get to go, um, how can the community help support these military families? So one of the things that I think is most important, um, a lot of people love, and I, again, it's very uh, appreciative, uh, or I'm appreciative of it, is when people say thanks for your service and things like that. I, I love that, and it's very humbling. One of the things I think we miss, though, is that support for families, because when I go off to do my job, every day I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be doing my job in the military, um, wherever that happens to be in the world. Um, back home, though, life still has to go on. And I think what we don't do is I don't think we focus enough on my wife. When I first my deployment in 2007, 2008, um, she was a single mom basically for a year with a teenage or a preteen girl and two boys in diapers. Right. Um, and so she had a lot harder time than I did in, in Baghdad. And that was because of just every day she had to go do all of those things all by herself, where normally you have a chance to just hand a kid in a diaper to somebody and say, here, you know, change that diaper, do whatever. She didn't have any of that support. Um, I know single parents do this all the time as well. It's just, it's, that's the kind of thing that I think, just as we look at this uh, from a b- bigger perspective, is reaching out to those families and just saying, hey, do you need something? Hey, can I help? Or showing up with a pizza and, you know, a bottle of wine or something like that at night. Um, any of those things I think would be greatly appreciated. Uh, military spouses, I will also tell you, are some of the, the bravest and strongest people in the world, and they will not ask for help. My wife would never ask for help. Um, but if somebody showed up with a box of, you know, a pizza, she, she'd certainly feed it to the kids and eat mm-hmm. and chit chat, right? And I, I just don't think we do enough of that. It's, it's, again, we focus on the troops and it's very much appreciated. I think though that the families are really the unsung heroes that, uh, as the saying goes, keep the home fires burning. And that's a harder job, truthfully. Uh, I'm sure it is. And and it seems like, too, Mark, every time you hear of somebody leaving, you find out that, you know, the wife is pregnant, too, or something like that. I mean, it just <laughs> right. always, it, it seems like well, it's that's got definitely little kids. I, I, I hear you. We've got I that figured you. out. So we know what <laughs> yeah. causes that. We don't hold hands. We don't drink out the same glass anymore. So we're good. I got you. You're good. And yet the truth <laughs> is, though, it just seems like all the time that the, that's the case. And you've got, and your first example was you did. You had two little boys. I mean, you had. Yeah. You had babies basically though when yep. when you when you left the first time. So getting the community to rally around and help support during this time, I'm sure you know the the husbands who are home and the wives who are home while their spouses are out serving the country, they do appreciate that kind of support. Yeah, and, and that, I, as I've talked to families over over the years, I will tell you, like I miss my youngest uh, Nicholas, his first steps and his first birthday while I was deployed, and that's hard, and that's time you never get back yet. Um, all of the other things that I also missed where, you know, the time when everybody had the flu and my, including my wife and she yet still had to take care of the kids and, uh, the tornado that hit our neighborhood about a month before I came back, literally an F2 tornado hit about six houses away from our house. Um, mm. you know, so things like that, those things happen. The furnace goes out, you know, all those things happen. And sometimes just having somebody who calls and checks in on you and just says, Hey, how you doing? What can we do to help? And, and I think people feel like sometimes they have to do more than that. 
And like I said, it's a pizza. It's just a phone call. It's, you know, whatever it is, it's just that support. I really think that makes a big difference to families. Uh, and I, most of the people don't do that. They focus on, you know, me while I'm away. Hey, can we send Mark a care package or can we send him, you know, Oreos are awesome, by the way, just for reference. Sure. Um, well, um, yet at the same time, I, I think that's great and that's awesome. Absolutely, we should do that. We should also, just like I said, focus on those families that are home and do the same yeah. thing. I mean, care packages to folks at home and, and all that because that, that really is, I, again, I, I will say again, I think that's the harder job ultimately. One of the things I will tell you um, too, James, is that I take solace in this. And, and as we've talked, as I've listened to, to the podcast over the past year, um, the, the dads that you talk to are amazing, doing amazing things, writing books, things like that. You know, I remember growing up, we're, we're, so I'm the poor immigrant family. Um, I was born in Canada. My parents were born in Sri Lanka. We moved here uh, to Des Moines, Iowa, actually, in the late 70s. So we're an immigrant family. We were dirt poor. My parents worked all the time. We were latchkey kids. I don't even think kids know what that is anymore, right? right. So, yep. you know, we'd come home and, and, you know, nobody was at home. And it was just an old, my older brother and younger sister and I. And we took care of ourselves, right? And I, I look back on that, and part of where I can take a little bit of solace is in the fact that what my parents taught me in the limited amount of time we have, and we make choices, everybody talks about their phones and putting them away and being mm -hmm. present when you're present, um, they didn't have those luxuries. I mean, they worked all the time. My mom worked at a, at a uh, nursing home. Uh, she was a nurse's aide at the time, and then my dad was uh, going to school and getting a degree and things like that. So they just weren't home. And so we had to take care of ourselves. And yet we, I think I will tell you, um, my sister's a little questionable. She's a federal judge, but other than that, <laughs> uh, you know, we, we turned out okay. Right. My brother works in corporate communications for a big company in Minneapolis. My sister's, like I said, a federal judge. We, we did okay. We turned out okay. And so I think as people want to, you know, dads, particularly, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be there for our kids all the time and, and throw the football and all that. And I will tell you that sometimes, you're teaching them to be somewhat self-sufficient, but also really focus on that character piece. I think that's important. That's what our, my parents taught us. It's hard work, it's education, and it's not leaving other people behind. You take care of people, that will come around. And, you know, I joke, my parents both being from Sri Lanka, you know, I say my people invented karma, right? So we got to treat people <laughs> right. And um, the reality is that's the values that they taught me. And even growing up somewhat alone, my parents are still around, thank goodness, and they're spectacular people. Yet they weren't able to be there all the time for us and come to those things. So again, I, I'm able to take a little bit of solace in the fact that I feel like my brother, sister, and I turned out okay with parents who were just working hard yet taught us those values of you know, service and taking care of people and yourself as well, education and those kinds of things. And so, so my hope is that by doing those same things with my kids, that, that they'll be okay through this, this deployment. So what would you hope that your boys learn in this year that it's going to be the two of them and mom and, and you're gone? I hope that they learn that mom's patients will run thin and that they got to treat her right. So other than that, I think they'll be good. They'll be alive at the end of that if, if they treat mom correctly. But uh, truthfully, the boys are, are, they are already spectacular young people. Um, I'm super excited about that. I, again, I, my thing is, and I, I believe they, they know this, is that it is service. It's service to others. That's, that's my, my uh, why, I guess. Uh, is being able to do those things. And so I want them to be able to do that. They both volunteer for the charity that I started. They love doing that. 
you know, when we were little, my sister and I remember we couldn't afford daycare. And so my mom would uh, take us to the nursing home that she worked at. And I remember we would push the old people around to, to dinner and sometimes they'd give us a dollar and things like that. And we hated it. We hated every minute of it. Now, looking back, that was the best thing that they, that she didn't even, that was the only option she had was to take us to work with her. But it taught us about service and helping other people and, and uh, supporting other people. And so that's where, again, I think my boys um, are smart enough that, uh, and old enough now to understand why, that there's a bigger picture to these things, and that that's why I'm doing this. You know, it's, it's in service to the nation, right? It's bigger than just me. Um, so, again, it's not about just selling a house or even helping a family through that process. It's really about something bigger than, than us. Do you think that that's a culture that's that's maybe missing in some American families right now is just teaching us how to take care of others and love on others and be kind to others? You know, I think social media makes us feel that way. I will tell you truthfully, though, in conversations I've had one on one with people, I'm a big political junkie. So, you know, I'm, I'm a Facebook ranger when it comes to, uh, you know, getting into political arguments. Um, Yet I will tell you that when I talk to people individually, they feel a lot of the same way that I do. You know, they're worried about the same things. They want their kids to grow up uh, in a safe environment and they want them to be good people. And um, I don't know that it's missing. I don't think we talk about it enough, which is, again, why I appreciate the opportunity to be here today is that I don't think we really stop and, and look at the individuals behind a lot of the things that we talk about on Facebook. It's all either everybody's super happy or they're in an argument about, you know, something political. And we tend to organize people into groups, right? So this group over here or that group over there. Um, yet when you look really closely at an individual, you realize that that's just my neighbor. That's just like the person I am or, or the, you know, my next door neighbor. And, and, uh, then it becomes real. And I think that's where, um, I don't know that that's missing, uh, in, in the culture today. I think it is because there's a lot of people who serve, um, it's still less than about 1% of the population, uh, has served in the military. Um, it's an all volunteer force, right? I, I picked, I picked this. I decided to serve. Um, and yet there are so many ways to serve and running a charity, um, it's called Veterans Community Project. And like I said, we're housing homeless veterans in tiny houses. And what's really neat as I've been able to see and talk to people is there's so many people who do, we've had kids who just volunteer their birthday money, uh, or, you know, do a lemonade stand and bring us checks to help us house homeless vets. So I don't believe truthfully, James, that it's missing. I think we just don't talk about it enough. And I, I think mm -hmm. there's an opportunity there to educate folks on how important that service is and then show them, show people by doing that and going out on the weekends and, and, you know, supporting a local food bank or whatever that passion is that you have. It can be walking, walking dogs, right? At the pet shelter, things like that that's all service stuff. And I think there's a lot of that going on. It's just, again, sort of unsung, just like our families that keep the home fires burning. I think they're unsung heroes around the communities that are, are doing all this work. So um, I hope my kids know that, experience that firsthand with, you know, the sacrifice they're going to make with dad being gone for a year. Also, though, um, other people, hopefully they see that you, know, you can you can do all those things. You can still be super successful business people. Um, you know, you can be really good at whatever it is you want to do. Um, you can also pay it forward. That's a that's a big thing for us is just, you know, looking for opportunities to pay it forward. Well, and you're doing that in m multiple ways. It's interesting to find that it's 1% of the population ha has served in the military or is serving. Is that what you said? Yeah, yep. Yeah. yeah and of course, really, then they've got families. So this impacts, you know, even more people. And yet it's still a, a, a small group. I'm surprised to hear that that's the number. Um, and so I guess with that perspective, um, you know, was there a 
reason that you decided this was important to you? Is there something about, you know, serving um, in the Navy that was just like you felt like you had to go do this? Um, the the thing I remember, uh, the earliest memory I have is we got a chance when we were uh, getting ready to graduate or when I was getting ready to graduate from high school. Um, we got a chance to take a family trip to Hawaii. And again, growing up poor, that was a well, it's a big deal for anybody, but it was just an extra big deal for us. So we took this trip, and I remember going to um, the uh, Pearl Harbor Memorial and, um, you know, going out there and to the Arizona Memorial and seeing the, the oil still leaking from the ship and just thinking about the sacrifices that these folks made. And again, with my upbringing of what my parents taught us, right, they left a third world country and moved across the world literally to, to kind of get a better life. Uh, for them and their children. And so the, the idea of service has been ingrained in us from, you know, the nursing home to, to all of that. And um, yeah, that was my first memory of thinking, you know what, I would love to be able to come back here someday and pay my respects to these uh, sailors who went before me in uniform. I'd love to be able to do that. And I haven't had a chance yet. I will um, at some point before my naval career is over. Um, but that was my first memory of, of wanting to do that. Uh, before I graduated from college, I took the Air Force officer qualifying test uh, to join the military. And at that point, it was the late 90s, and there was a tech bubble going on, and uh, I got a job offer from a tech company. So it was either join the military um, or go into uh, the tech world and make a gazillion dollars in about an hour and then retire, right? Um, and uh, so I, I decided to take the tech job. And uh, about, well, I think stock was in the $60 or something for the company I, I had started working for right out of college. About a year and a half later, it was like $2 a share mm -hmm. at that point. That was not my fault, just for reference. Um, <laughs> tech bubble, but, um, but uh, you know, that was sort of the, the nature of what ended up happening. So life changed, but uh, that kept gnawing at me like, hey, you know, I've always wanted to be a part of the, the military and service. Again, it's, a, it's about service to a country that... Uh, up until 90, 1994, I wasn't even a citizen of, um, became a citizen in 94. Part of that was to be able to exercise my right to vote, which I was super excited about. Um, and then the military service thing just kept calling to me. And again, I think that's a character thing that my parents instilled in us yeah. uh, growing up. So in yeah. 2004, I joined the, the Navy. So it's been 15 and a half years so far. Wow. Well, and character seems like that's that's what your responsibility is as a dad. That's what you want to teach your your two boys that are still with you and your, your stepdaughter who's out of the house now, it seems like you want to teach character to them. Yeah. And that's that to me, like I said, I think other than that, I mean, there's like my boys, for example, they still, they open the door for my wife, right. Or, or they hold doors open. My, one of my parenting wins was when my stepdaughter was probably about 11 or 12, we were walking through a, a parking lot of a grocery store and she grabbed a, a cart that was just sitting in one of the parking spots and started to push it towards the store. And that's something I do all the time. Well, she picked up on that. And that, to me, was a proud parent moment, right, where, you know, she could have just ignored it, just let it bump into somebody's car or whatever it was. And it's such a small thing, uh, as Jay Papasan and, and you guys have talked about, is that, you know, do small things, right? It's those small things that lead to the ultimately bigger things. And so that's a character thing, holding the door open for their mother, um, holding a door open at a store, taking a cart back and putting it back. Those are all little things that, again, proud parent moments is that I'm, I'm not the perfect parent. I do still, you know, check my phone when it dings at night and I'm not one that puts it on the table and all that. Um, and I'm, I'm not the guy who, like, if the kids are like, hey, let's go play football, 
yeah, that's not me. The, my wife will. She's a better football player than I am. And so, you know, she she will do some of that sometimes. She's also super competitive. So we don't do board games at our house because, you know, my wife will not let the kids. doesn't play. go From well. the time they yeah. were little. No, it's yeah. not good. So, you know, again, it's, it's character and just showing that. But, but doing those little things, every, you know, every chance you get, you show through the actions you take. Um, they know I'm not a perfect guest. And that's okay. I yell sometimes and, mm-hmm. um, you know, they yell at me and, and, you know, it's not, it's not always fun at our house. I will tell you though, that at the end of the day, um, I, I was thinking about this this morning, uh, as I got on an airplane, I was like, you know what? We always say, I love you all the mm-hmm. time. My, we, we never did that with my parents. That's just not a thing, right? We just weren't affectionate yet with my boys and, and even my stepdaughter, it's, there's always the, I love you at the beginning of the day, at the end of the day. Uh, I went in and I kissed my boys before I got on the airplane. I kissed them on the forehead. They, they probably won't remember it, right? But it's things like that that I think just show that, um, you know, even though I'm not going to be there all the time, that I'm still there, right? I love it. You're still a part of, of what they're doing. So. I love it. And so as we wrap up, you know, we you brought up the cell phone and we have, we've done so many episodes about put down the phone. In your case, the phone is going to be something that actually keeps you guys connected. Right. Yeah. So that, like I said, it's one of those things where I was listening to that and I'm like, man, I feel like I'm not a good dad because of that. Yet at the same time, that is the one opportunity I'm going to have, depending on where in the world I'm at or the internet connection, things like that. That's the opportunity, the only opportunity I'm going to be able to have to be able to connect with my kids uh, and my wife. And so, and that's important, by the way, is that um, no matter where you are in the world, no matter what you're doing in the 17 years uh, plus now that my wife and I have been married, we uh, kind of calculated out there's only been two days where we have not communicated somehow. And it can be a simple text message. Even when I was at war, there was always a message of some sort that I was able to send at least once a day uh, so that she knew I was thinking about her and that I was alive. And, and now with the kids, it's the same thing. Yeah. Um, communication is really the key. So, yeah, while we look at that as potentially a negative, there is definitely some positives to that. So well, I mean, I'm going to yeah. take solace in that as I don't yeah. put down the phone sometimes. Yeah, I, I mean, in your case, it's <laughs> going to be able to keep your family connected. I think about, you know, my grandfather who was in World War II. Well, he could write a letter and it would take forever for it yeah. to come back. I mean, and, and, yeah. and, and certainly you're not in World War III. And at the end of the day, though, you're gone for a year and you can probably jump on some FaceTime or whatever and still see your family yeah. and, my, and maybe even help with homework and things like that where that wasn't an opportunity before. So here where we, we you know, we might have a reputation on this podcast of bashing electronics. Um, without them, we wouldn't be doing any of this. And without it, you wouldn't be able to connect with your family while you're gone. Right. And that's, a, yeah. again, it, there are times when it's okay, right? It is okay right. to use that technology yes. for, for yes. good purposes. And yeah, and, uh, yeah. so it's, uh, so for all those dads out there that are, that are struggling with the putting the phone down, there, there are opportunities there where are. it makes sense. So. All right. Well, what's the final takeaway, Mark, that you want people to get from our conversation as, as you prepare to have your own conversation with your boys and then get ready for your year-long deployment? I'd say ultimately, to me, it's for everyone just to remember, one, be kind. You never know what other people are going through, right? So um, as, as I prepare to tell my children that, you know, dad's going to be gone for a year, that's a hard conversation. I don't even know how to have it yet. Um, so seek first to understand we talk about, right? So, you know, you never know that person who cut you off in traffic or whatever that's going on in their life. Just just be kind, you know, be be understanding and um, be appreciative of what is going on around you, even if it's, uh, you know, you're having a bad day, somebody else could be having a worse day. So take, uh, take some solace in the, the positive things. Um, so yeah, I think positive, be kind. Um, and, uh, I think the rest will work itself out. 
It will. Well, uh, Mark, we thank you. We thank you and your family for the sacrifices that that they make. We, we and and we just appreciate all you do. And I thank you for taking the time to share your story with me here today. I, I found it to be um, really eye opening and enlightening. And I just thank you for sharing with everybody. Well, thanks for the opportunity, James. Appreciate it very much. You, thanks for the podcast you, too. It's been great. Well, I definitely learned something from Mark today. And here's some stuff that that we should maybe consider is, number one, how can we support these members in our community? He said people are always doing things to support the military service men and women who are gone, and we should keep doing that. In fact, he says, send them Oreo cookies. And his biggest concern, though, is how to help out his family. And he said, you know, if you know a military family, reach out to the local family and ask how you can help. He mentioned bringing by a pizza or something like that. And he said, you know, the the burden is is really on the mom or dad who's back at home raising the kids and all that kind of stuff. Because um, not only, you know, is, is the mom or dad who's gone missing things like first steps and birthdays, they're also missing the things that happen at home where the parent who's back needs help, helping with homework, you know, when the family's sick. He mentioned even when a tornado came through. So let's think about how we can call and check in and not only support our military service men and women who are gone also support their families who are back here. I trust you got some value out of today. I certainly did. I'm thankful that Mark shared. I'm thankful for his service and the service of all of those families who were who are supporting all of us and serving our country. And, um, and I got value out of today. I'm sure you did too. If you did, would you share this podcast with somebody who you think would like to listen to it? And then would you do me a favor? Would you rate review and subscribe. That's what I'd ask you to do. Wherever you're listening, rate, review, and subscribe. Five stars, write something nice about us, and then hit that subscribe button so every episode automatically downloads right into your device and you never miss one. We're honored and excited that we are the number 77 parenting podcast in the UK, the number 91 parenting podcast in the United States, and we'd love to see that grow. And that's all because of you. All our growth is organic. We don't pay for any advertising or anything like that. It comes from you sharing with others. So I want to thank you for doing that. Finally, if you would, would you follow us on social media? We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search at Positively Dad, and I'd love to connect with you there as well. And then if you'd like to be on the show or know somebody who'd be a great guest, just send me an email, james at positivelydad.com, and, and we'll get it scheduled. We'll have you on the show. All right, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. I'm James Shaw. We'll see you next time on Positively Dad. Bye-bye.